Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, and good night. Welcome to Guardians of Lore. This is episode 19, recorded April 13th, 2019. And we are covering Awoken of the Reef, part two. This is a continuation. Uh, tonight, this is your host, Hyven. I am Elamist. And this is Mrs. Hyven. And we welcome you all. Uh, of course, only podcast news as usual is just uh, feedback. Our handle for Twitter is at guardians underscore lore. And Mrs. Hyven runs that. We have our email, guardians underscore lore at outlook.com. And Elemist is taking care of that one. And of course, you can add a review to Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, and any podcasting service of choice. And I don't run that. So uh, I don't run anything. So that's taken care of. <laughs> but we all hear those and get to read those. Yeah. Yep. Uh, yeah. Stuff you've missed in Destiny. Well, we have the Invitations of the Nine, of course. We are on the fifth week. Things are spicing up a bit. Uh, we will cover that whole topic when we have gotten all of them. So probably after we finish uh, The Awoken of the Reef... We'll be covering the Invitations of the Nine at some point. So that's pretty exciting. But yeah, currently Mara is in trouble. So I like how it kind of links to what we're going out talking about right now. We also have Arc Week. That is nothing too crazy. They just uh, retooled some of the Arc subclasses. And we have a lot of modifiers and strikes and bounties and things for just arc damage and arc abilities so it's really it well well, there's there's four other uh catalysts for year one exotics yes and they introduced the catalysts which are all strike or nightfall except for service regime which you can get from crucible otherwise you have rat king hard light prospector and then we have suros so far i've gotten the rat king and the prospector Nice. I've got none, but I was playing some comp the other day, and two of my buddies at the same time got Suros. We were actually in there trying to get like Mita because we still never got Mita. Not that it's useful, but we were oh, just I'm doing right some there comp. with you. Just trying to get it all. Got, haven't gotten Mita yet. Yeah. So we'll see how that goes. Um. Also, stuff that maybe didn't exactly happen in game, but has started dropping technically in-game, is unfortunately after just covering the Marasena and the first couple entries of Awoken of the Reef, we had two new lore entries dropped on us uh, that are basically a continuation of the Marasena and a preview for Awoken of the Reef. So um, if you've listened to last week's episode, you will have... Heard us talking about how it started on, what, Revenge 2? We wonder where 1 was. Well, 1's back. And then also, for the Mara Sinna, I actually have this up, they added Palingenesis 3. It ended on 2. So we have a little snippet of two entries right in between what we have covered, and the timing couldn't be worse because, like, it's, it's literally a week after... Would have, where it should have gone. Right. Like, <sighs> if they would have dropped a week earlier, we could have covered it. 
in order. Would have been in order. Pretty crazy. But, yeah, so apparently they've had some plans for those. I had meant to read them. I haven't yet. But we will be covering them. Um, But I think we agreed that we will be tacking on an extra episode after we finish Awoken of the Reef just to cover those two entries and kind of fit them in there and explain where they fit into the whole story. And we might add some of the uh, lore tabs for some of the uh, Awoken For some of the the Dreaming City stuff. Yeah, some of the Dreaming City stuff and anything that might be relevant. We'll try to compile an episode to make make a full episode out of that. Or at the very least, we'll make a short little addendum episode that just covers those two cards. Maybe we'll tack it in as an extra bonus episode. Yeah, we're still working it out. Yeah, but as we continue then tonight, we are on part two of The Woken of the Reef. Um, and as mentioned, this is a continuation of the Marasena book. The Marasena was the Awoken's creation and their early life in the distributary. And the, well, the Awoken of the Reef is the Awoken back in our space universe. <laughs> They're out of that pocket realm. And yeah, they're living in the reef. You couldn't get it by the name. Um, we're going to do this in four episodes. And as we mentioned, this is the second of four, but we might be doing either a fifth or maybe just a, a little addendum at the end. Just depends. We didn't want to tack them on now because we already had this set out and we didn't want to make this an extra who knows how much longer discussing brand new books and tagging them in. Right. Well, yeah. Um, so. We're looking forward to getting into the topic and continuing this story. Overview of last week? My mind's kind of blank. We had that discussion on if Mara was manipulative or noble in fighting off the uh, fallen in the reef. So yes, Mara and all her people just fought off some fallen that found their way into the reef. And yeah, half of the people have split off to go back to the to Earth and fight right away. Well, about the other half of the population stayed in the reef under Mara. And she has finally decided to accept her queenliness instead of trying to uh, rule from the shadow. So she is a... I don't even think she was elected. Wasn't she declared... She declared herself queen or it was kind of just agreed upon. It wasn't a vote, I don't remember. Yeah, I don't remember it being like, a vote. It wasn't a very vote, but yeah, it was like they agreed, but they didn't. Like basically, it stated that they kind of had some hesitation about it, but they weren't about to say no to a person who could basically like read their minds and stuff. Yeah, and they were like, "Yeah, and we're they, just gonna let her have it." Yeah, and then that's when they split yeah. off, and Mara was able to. That we saw that Mara was able to communicate with all of her people somehow. Well, she was made distances. queen after the split. Because she noted, she notated that had she accepted this power prior to, yeah. Yeah. she could have probably um, stopped them, prevented that. Yeah, exactly, and that's kind of where it ended off. Yep, yep, yep. All right, well, let's continue on, and we are in a new section or a new entry, I guess, of the book. And actually, we'll before let... we get started, I do want to notate one other thing from last week that we brought out about Mara. Um, her being paracausal, because I'm sure that's going to play into the future cards as well. Um, so just a reminder from last week on that, because we see that um, Sure was very um, convinced of a specific time that she was supposed to die, and because she was around Mara, and Mara kind of, things just are different around Mara, did not. 
And they claim that she seems Veracause. Up to this point, we don't have any evidence. Um, but you could say she's kind of just lucky. But yes, if you don't remember, Paracausal has to do with uh, cause and effect not working the way it's supposed to. The universal laws are broken. So uh, whether or not she has some... Well, so guardians are Paracausal. We can defy death uh, due to the fact that we have the light and power from the Traveler. So we'll get into hopefully a little bit more about Mara and some of her abilities. Uh, but yeah, just keep that in mind. Mara seems lucky in some way. All right. Well, yeah. this is Ivan. You want to start up with our uh, first reading? Will do. Tyrannicide 1. Mara's death began and this marked. X. Later would come Iris Morn, Osiris, Tolan, and all other accessories of the majestic suicide. Later would come the reef's tentative entanglements with Vex and Cabal, Fallen and Hive, and the fateful decision to intervene when the House of Wolves turned earthward to conquer the last human city. Later, there would be stories here untold. The Ahamkara and the sub-creation of the Dreaming City. The Shatterstone Fury of the Reef Wars. Brother Aldrin's journey into that fell garden and great sweeping plots whose beginnings and consequences have been entirely expunged for the sake of elegance. Or, as of the Route 81 redacted, for the sake of secrets yet untold. Here is where the beginning began. At that moment, when Mara bolted awake from the dream, her circle of techunes lay with her in the misty winter-cold chamber and they came back groggily, their augments shuddering with resync. She had dreamt a thought of absolute simplicity and perfection, and the thought had become a tooth and bitten her. It had left a wound shaped like X. Mara seized a pane of crystal paper, flashed it rigid and receptive with a touch and wrote, I dreamt of sword and bomb. I dreamt of the self-honing blade that has cut itself so fine it pierces the world and thus becomes the world. It is self-honing because it constantly wets itself against itself. I dreamt of death bearing this blade or something so closely allied with death as to be its synonym, so that to separate them would require a knife sharper than sharpness. Death raised up that blade and said, I cut all, and all I cut, I art. Then death cut the bomb, and the bomb was broken and could not fire. I was in the bomb. I knew that death was the cut verb and that its only verb was to cut. Shapes and gliders. I dreamt of existence as a game of cellular automata. In this metaphor, there were only two things, shapes in the game world and the rules of the game world. 
The rules were the rules of life and death. I understood that the sword was the desire to escape existence as a shape in the game and to become the rule that made the shapes. This rule said only live or die. It had no other outputs. It could not keep secrets. Against it was the desire to become a shape so complex that it would within itself play other games. What will soon be? I dreamt that the sword that was death and rule sought out complexity and cut it to reveal the simplicity within. I knew that soon we would be cut for we were complex and full of secrets. I knew that it was coming. I knew that the stroke would fall and that I had to stop it. How can a bomb make use of a sword? How can the rule that separates life from death be killed? I must go to the Dreaming City and use the Oracle Engine, Mara told her Techunes. Prepare my ship. So this is actually Mara going into two different logics that are actually within the, the game. Um, the Hive subscribed to the sword logic, which they sharpen themselves by killing um, and being killed. But then Mara has the bomb logic, which is using any tools at her disposal in order to get the specified outcome. Much more complex. Yeah. yeah that's how she described in the very end of... Uh... The Mar- yeah. Well, it was the end of the Marasina. Much more complex, like this card. <laughs> and also, it appears that basically Mara is seeing some visions of the future. Yeah. Uh, I took this as she basically somehow, which is crazy because remember we had a, a vision after, with, with the, the Traveler gave us of a bunch of future events. Very similar to me. Mara saw the future of everything, from her making a plan with Eris, Osiris, and Tolan, to uh, the Reef Wars, to her fighting, the House of Wolves, um, Aldrin going into the Black Garden. And then, next thing you know, she then sees, and she, uh, basically, yeah, the, the, this dream of the sword and bomb logic, and how that the sword was coming to kill the bomb. She understood that she and her people were the bomb logic, <clears throat> and that a bean would be coming, representing the sword logic and death, and try to end her. Um, so I guess long, semi-complicated thing. Short, she foresaw orcs coming to end her and her people. And yeah. you see at the very end, she is trying to put a plan in motion in order to prevent this from happening, uh, which is why she says that she needs to get to the Oracle engine. So... This is the start. She sees a vision that basically plays out all of the stuff that we see Mara doing um, in her throne world and all of her her dying during Oryx's onslaught originally by Saturn. All that stuff that we see, all that, all those questions that we don't have all the answers to, this is where she starts putting those original plans in motion. So this is, was foreshadowing for the current events that we are going through 
But as we see, she saw these things really, really, really early on. So once again, we see more proof that Mara is somehow has some type of special abilities. I think it has to do with her being tied to both the light and the dark and being the first Maybe. Awoken or the Nine. I just love how this card starts with Mara's death began in this mark. <clears throat> right? Like, at this point, we're only a couple entries into the book. Yeah, and she's already foreseen her death. Which we know like, is true, though, which is crazy, because she did die yeah. by Oryx. But it was, she knew she was going to die, and she literally planned this whole crazy thing. Right. Next card is Tyrannicide 2. Ten times, and once more, Mara asked the Oracle Engine to show her the sword that was death, and the way it would appear. Ten times, and once more, the Oracle Engine showed Mara an image of her family. First, it showed her sure Edo, laughing and bright with strength, who would recede and later return. Then it showed her Aldrin, her brother, who explored the ruins of the fallen worlds and sought out challenges to test himself. Then it showed Mara her own face and lingered on the secret brightness of her eyes. Last of all, leaving Mara imperious with disdain toward her own feelings, curtly aloof toward all who asked her what troubled her, it showed Osana, who had remained behind. Mara dwelt on this puzzle, a mother who had remained behind, a sister with secrets, a brother who hunted and explored, a woman who was plain and fierce. She understood then that the answer to her question lay within herself, and that to defeat what was coming, she would need a perfect understanding of herself. Isolation would be her watchword. For an isolated system is easiest of all to understand. First of all, Mara went into the gardens and planted a flower for her mother, who she thought must still live, though she might by now have forgotten her first daughter and her first son. Mother, she said, I asked to be your sister rather than your daughter. And so I denied you the chance to tell me your secret, the mother truth that is mapped in the negative space defined by the lies mothers tell their daughters. Well, here are my secrets. I love you. I have always loved you. Without you, I could never have been anything at all. Then she went to speak to her brother. But Aldrin was away on Mars and she found only his empty chambers, the half-sharpened knives and racks of pistols. She knelt in grief and touched her hand to the floor where his pacing boots had scuffed the asteroid stone smooth. This was the shape of their siblinghood now, the pursuit of absences. Last of all, Mara went to Shur Edo. Shur was making a list of incredibly stupid and fatal tasks to post on a guardian bounty board. I want to tell you the truth, Mara said. Ask me a question. 
if you take any positive integer and have it if it's even, but triple it and add one if it's odd, and you repeat this process forever, will you always eventually reach one? Sure, Edo demanded. Sure, my faithful wrath, Mara said. Please take my openness seriously, though I'm sure Illin could answer your math problem. Okay, Sure looked at her curiously. Then here's my question. What's gotten into you? Why are you acting like this? Can we walk? Mara asked her. All right. All right, all right, all right, as Hector <laughs> would say. We have Mara getting to the Oracle engine and asking it, which, so first and foremost, some time has passed from our last readings. Uh, we didn't even have a description of the dr Dreaming City being created or the Oracle engine or any of that kind of stuff. So, uh, And also in this card, it talks about the Guardian bounty board, which... The Guardians wouldn't have had a bounty board early on when they first came. Um, it would have just been some of the Risen. Uh, so I just noticed that it looks like some time has passed from when they first came through the portal to these Tyrannicide cards. Would you agree with that? So my thinking, like I read it, and it is capital G Guardian for that, that bounty board. But like I was thinking that it was like talking about the Corsairs. Mm, like, I don't know. Guardian. No, because she's purposely trying to find crazy tasks for the Guardians to do, which, you know, they always make fun of and harass but, the Guardians. But, like, this was the first mention at all of Guardians. I know. That's why I, I assume that some time has passed, because it was kind of unexpected. Uh, yeah. Maybe. Uh, no, because... She wouldn't put fatal tasks on a bounty bar board for her own people. A list of incredibly stupid and fatal tasks to post on the Guardian bounty board. Which is funny because Guardians can't die and watching them kill themselves over and over again is amusing to share. I totally see her yeah. finding enjoyment yeah. in that kind of humor. Okay. But that would show us that this would have had to happen after the city had been built. Um, which we already kind of know. Also, well, like, to, that that would also put this after uh, House of Wolves because that's when the Guardians actually gained access to the Reef. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, it's interesting. I'm not 100% sure where this card plays in the timeline, but, yeah, that's kind of an interesting thing to, to see. Uh, some time has passed, I would assume, since, of course, them returning to Earth a good majority of time. Uh, also, the fact that she says that Osana probably would have maybe even forgotten her by now. So I would imagine that a lot of time has well, a crap lot of time would have passed for Osana compared to them just because of the whole time thing. Okay, yeah. Hold up. So, first of all, yeah. I think so back into the that card. particular thing mm -hmm. on Osana. But, yeah. but, but that's getting ahead of ourselves because there's other stuff. Yeah, I happened. didn't really even get into what we were talking <clears throat> about. I was just so, trying to get time frame. Yeah. Sorry, yeah, you failed at first comment. Basically. No, I was trying to... We, well, first you <laughs> build up what the timeline is. I didn't so know we, we know rated these things. Oh, I do. Always. All right. I'm Let me hear your questions. <laughs> okay. No, so... Keep that in um, mind when you're trying to read. Huh? Oh, shut up! <laughs> you're a jerk. 
Um, anyways, so we see Mara looking for answers. Yep, she went to the Oracle engine like she said she was gonna. Yep, um, and it shows her basically like all of her loved ones. It specifically says her family, which I uh, like because it says her family, and then it says it first showed her sure. Um, so <clears throat> I think that shows like a really beautiful progression of their relationship. Um, and then it goes in to her brother and then her mother and actually herself and then her mother. Um, and so from there, she decides that if she's going to understand, you know, what's going to happen, she has to have a perfect understanding of herself. Um, <clears throat> and I just wanted to mention that, remember, and she went to the Oracle Engine to, she wanted, she had had this vision of this sword, which we linked to the Hive. However, she was trying to see this sword of this death, and the Oracle Engine showed her her family, and it said 11 times she kept asking because it didn't make sense. So uh, the Oracle Engine was trying to tell her that her family was the sword, the death, which she found quite surprising. Um, so I'm not quite sure what implication you guys get out of that, but just the fact that it showed her herself and all of her family when, uh, I, I don't know, I just think that has something to do with the fact that she needed to, like you said, understand herself and her house before she could prepare for, um, you know, like the coming of Oryx or any of the crazy stuff that was about to go down. Yeah, no, I agree. Um yeah. And then she goes on to do some really not Mara like stuff. Um, Trying to find everyone, <laughs> talk to yeah, them. Yeah, like I mean, she goes into the garden and she plants a flower for her mother. Um, she even admits, like she verbally says, I mean, it's quoted here that she loves her. It says, "I love you," um, which I mean, we've seen in the past. Mara has thought of certain, you know, verbal expressions of of a <clears throat> of affection or physical expressions of affection but is always held back um so yeah. well we know, know as she says here isolation would is easier to understand and to protect her you know, she i think that was referring to her isolating her people but she talked about before as a queen she needed to isolate herself from her people and have secrets so not that she doesn't have emotions but she shows emotion towards a very limited group and those couple people are like sure kind of her brother and yeah, but Her this mom. is what I'm saying. I mean, we saw back in um the Marasena. Yes, thank you. Uh, you know, where Aldrin's crow was dying, it says that she wanted to hug him and comfort him, but she held back. And there was no one else there. It was just her, her mother, and her brother. Um, so just in general, she holds back from these emotions. Um, and then additionally, so it wasn't that it said, does she remember me it was does she remember her firstborn daughter or son so Mara kind of implies that there's a chance that because so much time has passed and because they left Osana may have gone on to have more kids yeah I think that they knew that when they yeah. left that there would be no returning just time the way they understood that time was going by ridiculously fast there so I'm sure she knows that you know her hundreds of years has been thousands for her mother and you can imagine what thousands of Years as an immortal being could do for you. You could have tons of children and continue on life. Yeah, I just thought it was interesting to note that um, it's not does she remember me? It's does she remember her firstborn daughter or son? Yeah, her which whole would family. imply that there was a second. 
um, potentially. Could be. Yeah. There's. Could be. That, yeah. That Mara's wasn't not her saying like for certain. Um, yeah. No, no. But Mara is right. saying, you know, did she, you know? It's it's Mara kind of questioning, you know, what did I leave behind? What again? Showing kind of like a softer side of Mara that we're not. Um. I mean, and then she goes into Aldrin's room and is is literally brought to her knees, like, in her grief of, like, missing her brother. Just this back and forth and kind of, like, what their relationship has now turned into. Like, not necessarily that she regrets it, but, you know, being that type of person comes with certain consequences. I wouldn't life. say she, was, she wasn't on her knees. She knelt. knelt in grief. Yeah, but she knelt in grief to touch the floor. To see the wearing where her brother had been pacing back and forth. Well, I thought, it, yeah, I think she was definitely moved, but I think she saw that. I think the grief was the fact that he was always waiting for her, and now she's gone. Like I said, the pursuit of absences. They're always trying to catch up to each other kind of thing. I think that was the grief she felt. Sorry. Um, I got this tickle in my throat. Yes. But so that was interesting. And then lastly, she goes to Sher. Yeah. Um, and first of all, I like the question Sher asks her. That made me giggle. Well, yeah, and she's like crying at Sher to like ask me a question so that I can answer you. Like she she wants a she specific wants question. Be, she doesn't like, want to ask me. Yeah. I want to be honest with you. Da, 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 da. But what's funny is even after she tells Sher, like, no, that's not what I meant. She's like, this person could probably tell you the answer. She was like, but if that was legitimate. Go over here. <laughs> I do love that, though. Because, you know, basically, she knows that Sure will understand that something's wrong with her. She doesn't want to come out and say, I want to talk about my feelings. She wants Sure yeah. to ask her what's wrong. So she's like, sure, ask me a question. She's like, all right. And she gives her a crazy math problem. And she's like, yeah, you know, that's not what I meant. But uh, if you're really serious, go ask Alien. Yeah. She knows every. She's great at math. Yeah. And then she also refers to Sure as her faithful wrath. There, because wrath is capitalized there, so I didn't know if there was. She is the queen's wrath. It's a position. Gotcha. Okay. The queen's personal bodyguard is referred to as the queen's wrath. We now know that um, Petra is referred to as the queen's wrath. She holds that position currently in game. Cool. Gotcha. That makes sense because I just I saw it was capitalized, so I knew it obviously meant more than just some random adjective she was using to describe her. Right. Good use of your literature uh, and grammar rules. And grammar rules. Oh, yeah. Well, if you guys don't have anything else to add, things are about to get serious. We're about to get answers. Take us in. Yeah, let's go for it. All right, guys. Remember how Mara's had that secret? It got blackberry tea spilled all over her. She's about to give us some real explanation. Here we go. Tyrannicide 3. Mara and Shira Ito go out into space and kick off the hall, wearing Corsair skin pressure suits and slim tethers. The SARS circled them like hard-focused candles, like the diadems of a trillion dancers. Shira Ito pulls herself close and touches helmets with Mara. We're alone. What happened, Mara? You've always been, uh, private, Mara suggests. Mysterious and reclusive, I was going to say. A sword can be part of a bomb if the sword strike is the detonation mechanism, Mara says. It's impossible for a cellular automata game to change its own rules, but it is possible 
to create sub-games with their own rules, and for those sub-games to yield advantages in the master game. That's cool, Shear says. You know, when you talk like that, what you're actually saying is, I don't want anyone to understand me, but I want them to understand they don't understand me. Yeah, Mara admits. And then, hoarsely, she makes herself say, Sure, I have this secret, this thing I did, and I don't know if anyone can know it without hating me forever. I had a secret too, she reminds her. The thing I did, it's nothing compared to mine. Nothing at all. Having had some long experience hating you, and then having given it up, I think it would be hard for me to go back. Shira's strong hand settles at the small of Mara's back. They twirl on upward, rotating around a point between them, their thousand-kilometer tethers slowly unfurling. Do you want to tell me? No, Mara says. But I think I have to. Okay, Your Majesty. What did you do that made Alice Lee throw blackberry tea in your face? I was first, Mara says. And she explains the missing half, the first half of the sentence. I made the rules and initial conditions that deceived her into believing she herself had decided. It ends like that, where the rest picks up. Shir Ido looks at her in expressionless silence. Shir Ido's hands stroke the seam between Mara's skin suit and the glassy petals of her helmet. Long ago, this woman betrayed her oath and went to serve the diacerum, a woman who cried out in anguish at the curse of physically, physicality and the possibility of suffering. Long ago, this woman threw away her whole life to punish the highest crime she could imagine, the denial of transcendent divinity to those who might have claimed it. You're the devil, Shear says. You're the lone power who made death you allowed the possibility of evil. You might be responsible for more preventable suffering than anything that has ever existed. Mara cannot shake her head or even nod. Well, Shira says, if you hadn't, none of us would be here. I guess I don't see what else you could have done. If you cared about those we left behind, if you wanted us to be able to go back and help in the fight, she leans forward and very gently kisses the inside of her helmet, where it meets Mara's, in her mind, in that place that is bound to all other awoken. Mara feels the touch of gentle lips. Shira looks suddenly shy. You know, Mara, I don't think you could have confessed anything, anything at all, unless it were a way of keeping a deeper secret. What's really going on? There are many ways to godhood. Mara tells her. The belt of Orion glitters on her helmet like a three-star rating left by some hive entity Shira once killed. One way is to kill all that is killable, so all that remains must be immortal. Another is the road I have walked, mostly by accident. One of these ways is closer to the sword, and one is closer to the bomb. If the bomb can defeat the sword by the standard of the sword, then the bomb as claim to primacy. Never mind, Shear sighs. Seen anything cool on crow surveillance lately? So, 
first of all. Am I reading this correct? Because I've always assumed that Sher was the paladin that switched sides or whatever and shot off that thing. Um, remember, there was a paladin that shot off some weapon that she wasn't supposed to. Um, and basically, by doing so, kind of sided with the diastrum. When I found out that Sher was a paladin, it kind of made me feel like it was probably her because of her hatred towards Mara for thinking she killed the diastrum. So is it implying that that's Sher's secret here? That's what she did by... <clears throat> I don't know about that, but remember, that huh. was the, the the firing shot that started off the war where someone was killed. And that happened yeah. before she would have... Before anyone knew that Mara was uh, part of that. No, no, no. I'm not saying Sher knew Mara was part of it. So I'm Mara saying... didn't like, fire off because she hated Mara. No, or no, something no, no. Like that. no, 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 no. I'm saying was sure one of Elise Lee's paladins and decided, yeah. hey, this person diastrum, I agree with what they're doing. I'm going to make a move towards it. Um, I don't Because it's very odd for a paladin of Elise Lee's to have such hatred towards Mara for something that happened to the diastrum. Wouldn't you agree? No, because the diastrum, we learned in the last book that sure... Serve the Dyer's room. Exactly. So it's how is she a paladin of Elise Lee and serve the Dyer's room? Because there was a civil war and everyone's, everyone used to serve Elise Lee. And then they split and she went to the, the Dyer's room side. So whether or not she was the paladin who fired the first shot. I mean, that's an I interesting she, thought. She specifically talks about how she... First of all, she reminds her of her secret, the thing she did. And then she goes into talking about how she's the woman who betrayed her oath and went to serve the dais room. <clears throat> I don't know. I think her secret might be that she was the one who shot off that shot. Maybe. It's an interesting thought. It is an interesting thought. And it wasn't just she fired off the shot. That was when someone was killed for the first time. That's yeah. started off the war. Well, that. So that would be a pretty big secret. Having That's been the person right. to first commit murder in their new world. That's that is true. Like. I mean, I really didn't even think about that because of the whole larger Mara secret. Because it is like nothing compared to, <laughs> I guess, <laughs> I was think just as Mara says. But that is actually an interesting thought. That's you know, that, my own spinfoil, you guys. It could be. Like you said, she was. We do know she was a paladin. And that she yeah. did switch sides. So it would make sense that she could have been the one. That's pretty cool. I like it. Very nice. You've been following along. Story. Try. I do more than just sit here. He might think that's all I do. <laughs> um, also. <laughs> but what the about the. Yes. So Mara's secret was not so shocking to me because we did discuss in our previous series on Mara Sano what my assumptions were. Um, so we know now that they were correct. <clears throat> um, that she was indeed first. But what I want to touch on real quick before we get into her secret, because I feel like we're going to go tangent on that. Um, I really like that they went out into space, like off the hall to have this conversation, like the one place Mara feels comfortable. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it was like, this is going to be the worst discussion of my life. Let me go where I'm space. Yeah. I need a little bit of comfort. Tether. Yeah. I also like how when Mara starts speaking in Mara, sure calls her out on that. Yeah, I love it. She was like, yeah, you don't want me to understand what you're saying. 
And then Mari's like, Look, I'm sorry. Okay, fine. I, yeah. I, I gotta but tell I you also this. appreciate, like, sure, smart. She put two and two together and she's like, I know what you're trying to, like, say. And I know whatever it is has to do with the T incident. Yeah. So, exactly. like, she goes That's straight into it. Like, sure. Sure is very smart. Sure is not like just, oh, I'm gonna sit next to this person and I'll let her keep her secret. Like sure lets her keep her secrets to an extent, but you can tell that Sure's connected some dots and understands like the person she's with. Yeah. And this also teaches us kind of how Mara talks because she's <laughs> talking about what's bothering her, but without explaining what's bothering her. So like when you hear Mara say things it's like she's asking you a question without you having any background information and like you can so sure was smart enough to deduce kind of what was going on but not really because she obviously she's seen these visions of her being the bomb and the sword and how the sword always wins because that's the rules of the game but what if the sword strike detonates the bomb and she's the bomb and so like i like how she's like basically like i see this vision where the sword is the winner of this world those are the rules. I can't change the rules, but what if I can use the rules to help us out? And, like, that's kind of, like, what she's worrying about. But, like, sure has no idea what she's talking yeah. about. Because sure again, no it's idea Mara speaking these in Mara. So she's, yeah, yeah, it's just crazy. And then, and then the card takes this very, like, it's just weird. I mean, we go into sure being like, look, I hated you for a long time already. Now we're basically together. I just can't imagine going back to hating you after all that time. So, like, we yeah. we kind of get that, like, remembrance of, remember, like, the first time Sure saw Amara in, like, the Queen's area, it says, like, her heart became, like, unsown and spewed with, like, anger. And, like, it was, like, I mean, the vision, like, the imagery of how pissed she was at Mara was strong. Yeah. So we get that kind of reminder. Then Mara shares it with her. Then Sure calls her the devil. Which is basically what Elise Lee told her. Yes. Then Sure is like, look, 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 look. The only reason you're telling me this is because something else is going on. So what's really going on? Then Mara continues to talk to her about it. And then Sure is just like, whatever. Have you seen anything good on the crow surveillance lately? Which also is the first mention of that. Well, we can talk about that too. That's a quick little thing. But I do, like you mentioned, that, like, we see all this crazy stuff. Mara's, like, talking. She's very, like, almost, like, ADD. She's all over the place. She's she's talking about this vision, but then she's also worried about Shur because she's seeing these visions of Shur, but she doesn't tell Shur that. And because she knows that she needs to explain things to Shur and have, like, peace with her, she wants to tell her the truth, but that she's also back to worrying about this. So she's kind of, like, is answering Shur's question, but in a way that sure has no idea what she's talking about. So, like, it's crazy. I, so I do love that Mara is, like, she's right back at it. When she goes to explain yeah. what's really going on, she's, like, back to the whole, you know, I see this sword coming, and I'm the bomb, and I've there's only two ways of of existing, and I've stumbled upon the second one. Can the second one actually, like, survive? And blah, blah, blah. It's like when you ask someone a question, and they go, like, rant about, like, something that's been bothering them, that, like, you had... It's like, oh, how are you doing today? And they, like, go off on something you have no idea what they're talking about. And you're like, that's nice. So anything new? That's how I envision this. Yeah, that's a good, uh, that's a good comparison. But, yeah, so I feel like we should just talk a little bit about what actually that secret meant. So that people might, you might already understand, but why it's such a big deal. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. Just the yeah. fact that her being first. 
and not second. Um, so it's not just that like she like gave her first place trophy to someone else and took the <laughs> silver medal. This is like she made the rules of the universe, as we talked about how you know Elise Lee basically formed the universe and uh, chose it in like the way she wanted to and made them all basically human or you know. Uh, not godlike, not didn't have all the power in the universe like they could have. She created the world like this, and then convict, tricked Elise Lee into thinking she was first, so that Elise Lee would start this new world. Now, that might sound like she just abdicated this responsibility and didn't want anyone to know what she had done. But remember, not only did she hide the fact that she was first and created that world, she then started whispering to everyone in the diarserum about how what basically she had done only convincing everyone that it was Elise Lee and Elise Lee think it's what she had done was evil and that basically they had lost out on this godhood and she basically spread deceit so from the very creation of her becoming an awoken she was already like manipulating and conniving her way into a position where she could for some reason go back to earth and it's just it's just kind of crazy because basically the whole war, all of the death, all of the craziness that happened in the distributary was all Mara's doing, and she lied to everyone. So that's why Shirito says that you might be responsible for more preventable suffering than anything that has ever existed. Because in reality, she was responsible to the death for the death of all those immortal beings. Um, just real quick touching back on something you said for some reason not saying it's her full reason or anything um but if we remember back to when some stuff was going down on earth when their ship just before it got sucked into this omni hole um they had that vote remember mm-hmm. granted it never yeah. the the decision of it never came to fruition because they had to act but Mara chose all the way back then to go she back She wanted to go home. Yeah, that was what her and... You're right, because that's what her and Aldrin were arguing about. She was like, we are here because I convinced us. And Aldrin's like, well, you were right to. And she was like, no, I was actually just running away because I was scared because I saw a man killed in space by a, a rabbit embryo. And I just foresaw like me losing my family and our lives. So you're probably right. So I think she was scared and wanted to go back at the very beginning. So when all of a sudden she stumbled across this universe that was ready to be created. But like just the fact that she in that instance, I want to know how much time passed between, you know, because we know time passes weird. If she was the first one there, how long did she have just on her own to make this plan? Because this sounds convoluted and crazy as anything. And if she set this plan out, like the very beginning of time, I never always thought it was crazy, but you know, we have the fact that time is going by. For all we know, she had, you know, she kind of had hours, days, weeks, who knows, before Elise Lee came through. Well, I mean, and it could have even been that once she got there and started creating the world, it wasn't until she was done that anybody else was kind of allowed, you know, it could yeah. have been just that the laws of the universe were that the universe had to be finished being created and she could have taken her sweet time doing all of that yeah and i mean technically it might but it you know it's it's worded in this as if 
when she created the universe, she was doing it in a way that would force everyone to want to go home. Like, she planned this from the beginning. But I suppose she could have just tried to create a world that was familiar to her, and then once she was there, she realized she wanted to go home. And that's when she started, um, you know, making this plan. But the way, like, Sher mentions it, she kind of, like, blames... The same way Elise Lee did, they blamed her as if she had planned this from the beginning and was responsible for, like, everything that had happened. So I just think that's interesting. It would be nice to see, like, the inner workings of Mara's mind, like, what came first? Her, like, desire to get back to Earth right away or just the need to, you know, get into a safe world after being attacked by this darkness? Any thoughts on... I seem like I've lost you both. You guys can't see them, but Mrs. Hyman's not even paying attention. Elinus looks like he's at least thinking. So, like... Don't tell me what my thinking looks like. <clears throat> <laughs> yeah like it, it's I think you said it best in that this is just a really convoluted way to cover your your behind <laughs> um, yeah I guess because I mean nobody would suspect the second one that came through and, it, and Mara didn't want power back then. Even by the time she became queen, right. it was still it was yeah. a long time before she took any yeah. in-the-spotlight power. And that's kind right. of well, how I think of it. I think everyone's like blaming her like she had this grand scheme at the beginning. To me, it sounds more like she just created the world to the best of her ability, but was smart enough to know that she didn't want to be the one to take responsibility for it. Literally, and it wasn't the until only later they that made she... Elise Lee queen was because they thought she was the first one who came through. Yeah, I think once again it's just classic. Not until and... she came her not Sorry, wanting power. My I was just gonna say I think it's just classically like... her trying to not be the symbol. Exactly. Because my thing is like Elise Lee kind of already explained to her like these people are sheep. You are a symbol. They will follow. And she kind of remembers a lot of her past life, so she probably put two and two together and realized. These people are just going to be like, oh, yep, you reverse. Here you go. And she doesn't want that. And again, let's remember that at this time, she was 19 freaking years old. Yeah. I true. mean, I am almost 24 and I am still a child. Five years ago, you told me to create an entire universe and run an entire people? Heck no. Yeah. So that's why I think it, it, she's not quite as evil as she was. Not in her original lie that she was second. She claimed she was second. I think her the things that she should be responsible for is more of the you know not coming forward and trying to convince the, the, the deceitful way she tried to convince everyone that they were they lost out in some like godhood instead of just to get people on her side instead of just saying hey I think we should go back and help these people like, I think that was her biggest mistake not the fact that she lied about being first I think she did that out of fear kind of but I guess we don't really know. And I, like I, I don't think that this plan of hers was like. I don't think it was all thought all the way through. Like, oh, these are going to be steps A through K that are going to get us back into our original solar system. Right. She's just like flying by the seat of her pants, kind of right. Yeah, that that's what it seemed like. Yeah, I agree. I think because we see Mara as this 
fully developed, well planned character now. Character now, it's sometimes hard to remember that, as Mrs. Hyven said, she was a nineteen year old girl at the time, and she had not completely developed her, you know, queenly characteristics at the time. So I think we're putting like we well, some people put a lot of pressure on her as like this deceitful line person. Where at the time, she just didn't know what the heck to do, and it was like. As things progressed, she made choices and then had to like build off those choices. Yeah, yeah. We're all in agreement on that. See, we all had different views of Mara at the beginning, but I think we've all kind of got the same like viewpoint of her. All right, Mrs. Hyven, you ready to read? I am indeed. I'm gonna keep giving you grief because I can just see you surfing your phone, but I'm not paying attention. You don't even know what I'm looking up. You looking up? Is it related? It's related to my shout-out. Okay. <laughs> You're already on shout-outs? You are so all over the place. All right, well, then why don't we work on actually getting to those? Okay. <laughs> now we're going to move into Tyrannicide 4. Later, much later, it is the night before the day of Scream. Mara meditates cross-legged in a cradle of null gravity. Varix has told her more than once how the fallen speak of the awoken as sterile, unable to regrow their flesh, cursed to bear their scars forever. Also, how they think of the awoken as self-twinned, coexisting with their own shadows. Didn't ancient Ayana, queen of heaven, descend into the underworld to confront her shadow twin, sister Erishkagao? Ayana was judged full of hubris and executed. You cannot defeat a thing that is synonymous with death except on its own territory. You cannot fear and flee from death. You must face it. Death is a sword. And a sword is like a crossing point, like a bridge. And a bridge may be walked two ways. The plan exists in her mind alone. Although beloved Eris has by necessity learned most of it, the Tekkyuns do not know the whole plan. Although they will position the harbingers upon the threshold, even sweet, capable Petra does not know the whole plan. So many she will leave behind. Aldrin knows nothing of the whole plan. He has kept more and more to himself, building up secrets and schemes. All Mara knows and pities because he needs Mara and thinks he can get her attention by keeping secrets from her. Secrets are her virtue and the virtue of her nemesis, the being whose existence she deduced from the analogy of family the oracle engine showed her. Mara will begin the end of that queen's brother today. She knows what that means for the fate of her own. An eye for an eye. She must think now of the fate of entire cosmos and of her tender, half-assembled answer to the cold sword logic of the hive. She must not grieve. She must not fear. Was Ayana afraid when she descended? Mara's not going to be outclassed by some ancient fable. After all, Mara's name is Death. But there's one thing she admires most about Ayana over all other myths 
of catabasis. Ayana went to conquer. So I actually looked it up. Inanna. I did also. And yeah, Inanna and uh, oh, what was her sister's name? Eresh Eresh Kigil. Kigil. Um, that's actually us. Those are actually characters from a Sumerian poem, The Descent of Inanna. Um, I didn't pull the poem up or anything, but it's also an old myth. Um, Inanna is the ancient Sumerian god of love, sensuality, fertility, procreation, and also of war. Um, and see, in the poem, yeah. in the Sumerian poem, Inanna is the queen of heaven, and Ereshkigal is the queen of the dead. Yes, that's what I got too. Basically, she goes down to conquer her sister at some point. But yeah, so it's, it's an old. So it's kind of like, like Zeus and Hades tale. kind of thing. But yeah, the elk. Oh, the epic of Gilgamesh in Phoenician mythology. Yeah, that's what I'm getting to. Yeah, yeah. So that's referring to real world like mythology and history. Um, so they would have somehow known these stories. I'm assuming Cryptarchs maybe found something. Yeah, because I mean, you know, the Cryptarchs point, came from the reef. Well, it, not all Cryptarchs are awoken, but yeah, they originally were. But yeah, that's but yeah. So that's what that yeah. Um, there was a mention of Petra in here. Yeah, I saw that. Uh, even sweet, capable Petra does not know the whole plan. Um, they mentioned Eris in here. Her brother, the Techians, yeah. She basically talks about who knows what about her plan. Yeah. And we will... Yes, this is what I was talking about. Um, at the beginning of my, my rant when you said I was going to ruin things. That's next... Next entry, we'll kind of discuss what her plan was. Um, but yeah, we see in this entry, she is making a plan to confront that vision that she saw of that sword logic coming in. Um, yeah. She's, she's enacted a plan that we see. I mean, how many people really know about it? She says, Eris knows because she has to. Well, I mean, if you've played the game, you know what's going on. This is her confronting Oryx. And um, we know that Eris is involved with this uh, and that a lot of her people have no idea what's going on. Clearly, we know that um, poor Aldrin doesn't know what's going on. And I like that call out to basically um, Mara knows that this will be the end of the Queen's brother today. She knows this, you know, she knows what means for the fate of her own or she knows what her quote unquote death is going to do to Aldrin. Um, that basically he lives for her. He keeps secrets just to try to attract her because he knows that she likes secrets. She understands that basically Aldrin is going to kind of just snap when he loses her, which is kind of sad because that's exactly what happens. Yeah. But and I also like she says that secrets are her virtue and the virtue of her nemesis. So she acknowledges that she needs to keep secrets because this entity or Oryx who's coming into the the, the galaxy also has a lot of secrets. So. This is pretty crazy. I mean, it, obviously, it was pretty crazy when it happened. But once you, now that we know so much more about Mara, we see these two large powerhouses, the bomb logic and the sword logic, are about to confront 
and she is ready for him, man. Pretty intense. And like the way she talks about Aldrin here, it's really sad that he has to go to such lengths, mm-hmm. and that she like that's how him. she's viewing it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, but it's completely true of them. I mean, it, it's it's sad, but it's exactly what happened. Yeah, I mean, it's what Riven was able to kind of feed on to, you know. Yeah trick aldrin was exactly what she worries about and i just love though that we see once again this is her emotion she's scared yet prepared to do what has to be done even though she's going to lose people um she's going to lose those she cares about but at the end she comforts herself once again with this old uh, myth or legend that um inanna was not scared of her descent that she went to conquer and mara is about to go do the same thing so mara is a badass and she's got a plan go confront oryx which once we get into as she describes it it's so genius because as she had just said she understands that the sword logic is like the law of the universe and that she can't deny what's going to happen but she can like position herself that when it happens it like works out in her favor so it's pretty awesome man because you know she's paracausal exactly (laughs) she has power of paracausalness and things are about to get serious um, oh, this one last favorite. The <laughs> one last thing I wanted to touch on, Varix was mentioned. Yeah, yeah, he talks. I about love Varix. I love how he calls them. Um, he calls them sterile because they're unable to regrow their flesh, just because they can't grow arms back and stuff. <laughs> like <Right>. what? <clears throat> but yeah, yep, yep. Good old Varix, man. He's got a whole book just for him. Anyway. We ready to continue on? I'm I'm ready. Tyrannicide five. She closes her eyes. Oryx's throne world smashes through her fleet. The bubble of averted scream space pulverizing rock, metal, and flesh as mere matter surrenders to the will made fact of the Taken King. Somewhere, Aldrin roars defiance. This is the moment of absolute sacrifice. The incarnation of awoken doom to give up their lives in defense of the world they once abandoned. The sense of their great dying rips at Mara like a sob. She feels her Techians preparing emergency self-gates. Shirochi reaches out to her, a wordless, urgent need for Mara to live. And it takes all the cold, impassive remove of Mara's millennia to turn that hand away. The shockwave strikes. Mara dies. In one way, she is vaporized with her catch. The bonds between the very particles of her body questioned by the harrowing logic of Oryx's weapon and found inessential. The mechanism of devastation is spontaneous fission. The author of the devastation is laughing in joy. In another way, a more true and symbolic way, she is impaled on Oryx's blade. She has thrown all her might at him, and he has answered. He has snuffed her fledgling divinity and her meager claim to royalty. 
he has snuffed her fledgling divinity and her meager claim to royalty. He has exposed Mara to the raw and caustic hostility of his high war. She has been defeated by the sword logic. She dances down the blade and steps into his throne world. The harbingers give her the gate, and she takes the step. She is dead, consumed by Oryx. She is dead in his will, his ascendant realm. There was no other way inside except this true way. Inanna at least gave her people some warning. She told her minister to have her worshippers lament, drum, pray, and lacerate their buttocks. Inanna told her minister to beg the gods to save her. Mara has not. Instead, she has enlisted Eris and several million mad dancing guardians to go knock off the god who killed her. It is, on that level, a very simple bank heist. Get yourself taken into the treasury as treasure, and when the owner dies, break back out with his stuff. And even Inanna had to send everyone away before she passed through the last door. Mara thinks of everyone she has ever known, all the people she has lost, back even to Yang Liwei, and that ray of light in deepest darkness. She is there, again, on the tether, falling into the mystery. Her brother is crying out after her, trying to follow, and she cannot look back. She has been thinking of a logic of her own, of secrets and hidden designs. The universe has grown simpler in its age. Wherever life can begin, it has begun. And even in some places where sensible folk expect it should not. The great tendency has been toward intricacy, toward sophistication, toward deep thought and richer ways of being. A sword is everywhere edged, but the pieces of a bomb do not look at all like weapons until they are assembled. Oryx's throne world tries to tear her body and psyche into a quintillion screaming pieces, but Mara has survived the inchoate primordial chaos before space and time. She has retained her selfhood through far worse than this, and she has patience for eons. Eris will succeed. The Guardians will play their part. When the power in this world is free for the taking, Mara will take it. Not as the victor taking spoils, but as a scavenger takes a prize component for her masterwork. When a pawn reaches the far side of the chessboard, it may be promoted to a queen. And what hatches when you promote a queen? What new board does she claim her place on? Mara knows. She settles in for the long wait, entirely alone, almost at peace with it. Oh, this is my favorite card. This is one of the ones that the first cards that I just found when uh, Forsaken dropped personally in my uh, my account. So I read this without any context, but this was one I could understand because we saw this happen. Yeah. Without knowing for sure what was happening, but with the knowledge of what's happening now, like 
Oh, this is so awesome. So, Mrs. Hyvin, I should show you this cutscene because this is a Destiny 1 cutscene that I uh, don't think you've seen and would help you understand is, a lot. It is it's by awesome. far my favorite D1 cutscene. It is one of the best. I would say just like cutscenes Destiny has made in general. I think almost D1, D2. Like it's, it's, it's straight yeah. up there with like the Traveler awakening and like ending Gaul. Like it's pretty intense. But basically, as we see, Mara is, has prepared. She knew that Oryx was coming. And as we see, uh, what happens in that cutscene is... So, another thing. In this cutscene, Mara basically confronts Oryx and his forces. Uh, and she sends out a bunch of fighters and all kinds of stuff to fight Oryx. What basically happens is Oryx ends up basically just... What we originally see, killing everyone... The whole Awoken fleet, Mara, Hertekians, everyone. And we just see them all destroyed. Um, and it looked like a horrible, horrible thing. Why would Mara have all her people die? As we see here, I just wanted to mention, Mara understood that she could not prevent this from happening, that the sword logic had to happen. But she, just, she found a way, as we'll go into, to continue on and persevere through this and end Oryx. So unfortunately... A lot of people had to die, which is why she is so conflicted and heartbroken by the fact that this is going to happen. But while at the same time, she knows she can't prevent that, but she can make the most of it. So that's why we see some of these emotions and why it wasn't as heartless as we might have originally seen. Um, so, and then also, it helps us to appreciate that uh, Oryx didn't just send out some super weapon. We know that his ship was his throne world. That weapon that hit everyone was basically his... What is it? How does it actually say? Uh, basically, Oryx just extended his throne world like out and like vaporized everything. Um, the bubble of averted scream space. Yeah. Yes, yes. Oryx's throne world smashes through her fleet. So he literally uses his throne world... Um, which is a whole nother thing. I don't. We've kind of talked about basically his realm where he cannot die is super powerful being to just like smash everything and just kills everyone. Mara actually dies. Um, her techunes who don't know the plan are trying to save her at the last minute, and she has to like not let them uh, like. And then it has this reference. When I first got this, I didn't know what in the world the Mara Sina was or any of that stuff. I thought this Inanna was some like old Awoken history. Now that I know what it is, it makes a lot more sense. Uh, she talks about how this person prepared her followers for when she would leave. Mara did not. She prepared Eris, and that was basically it. And we see what her plan was, was what I was talking about at the beginning of the episode. It was basically a bank heist. Her goal was to get carried into the vault as treasure, and once the owner of the vault was killed, bust out with the treasure. So she put it perfectly. She died on Oryx's blade because she's paracausal and because of some things that she set up prior, which I think we go out in this book. Do we talk about the, um, uh, what's that event we do in the Dreaming City that charges things up every week? Blendwell? Yeah. I think that's in this card or it's in i mean in this book or it's another one but we talk about that is, I, I believe that's in the dreaming city lore book yeah which is we'll have to go into that eventually but basically mara has set up events so that she does not actually die 
But instead, she basically, as she says, she travels down the sword and makes it into his throne world. So it's crazy. When Oryx tries to kill her, she takes the opportunity to break into his throne world. And at this point, she is in Oryx's throne world, some sense alive, but at the same time dead. She has no physical body. She is just like energy. She's life in there. And her whole plan relies on Eris, as she says. And what that was is, if you remember in D1, Eris comes to us and tells us that she saw this great power come into the universe, which actually, as it sounds, was Mara. Mara told Eris to convince the Guardians to kill Oryx, and, which is exactly what we did. We ran into the King's Fall raid, and we took out Oryx. And as she said, once the owner of the vault is dead, she basically took his throne world. And that's how we had that, well, at least a little part of it. And that's how Mara got her own throne world. She basically broke into Oryx's throne world and had him killed. It's pretty freaking awesome. Now, here's a, th- a thought that I just had. When Eris was tasking us to go kill Oryx, she kept talking about the whispers and it, like... Everybody just thought she was crazy. Yeah. What if that was her just playing it up so that nobody caught on that she was working with the queen? That's kind of how I'm thinking. Because what did she do? She tasked us with killing Oryx to kick him into his throne world. So we killed him in the real world. Remember, she, we saw her at the end after that. She picked up that crystal from his sword, which was kind of ironic. Remember the sword logic? She took his kind of his power. Um, but then she then tasked us to go into his ascendant realm and kill him. And when we did that, Mara basically claimed that realm. And that is why Mara did not die. That is how Mara has her own ascendant realm. She stole it from Oryx when Oryx used it as a weapon to kill her, which is amazing. So she knew she could not prevent Oryx from his killing, his sword logic. But as she said, the bomb logic, a bunch of insignificant parts that mean nothing until they're put together, this complex, convoluted plan, when fully put together, was was pretty awesome, man. And so that is yeah. how Mara survived that. And um, that's also how her tech units survived. Um, we know that some of them were taken. Well, remember, they were basically hit by Oryx's throne world, so Oryx basically could have taken some of them. And that kind of explains why some of the tech units were taken and why we had to free them from the raid. Um, but yeah, it's pretty crazy. And one other thing that just um, kind of blew my mind a little bit. You remember King's Fall? Remember that orb that led us all over the place that people liked to yeah. imagine was Toland somehow leading us? Oh. Yeah. What oh. if... Does it not now make more sense that Mara was leading us Oh. to fulfill her objective? Wow. And that... that- we specifically didn't take the mantle. Tolan was mad at us for not taking the mantle after killing Oryx. Mara didn't want us to take the mantle. She led us through, and she did not motivate us to, to do that. She took it for herself. So I just thought about that. That would be crazy. Well, like, I, I, always, I always thought that that was Tolan because he was mad that we didn't take up the mantle. How would he know if... He wasn't there. Yeah. And there's like, a card where Mara stumbles across Tolan and Tolan like runs away, right? 
So basically, we know that she's stuck in basically Tolan and her are stuck in that same ascendant plane, you know, yeah. Oryx's world. And I just thought that maybe Tolan was just watching this happen, and like he would have been much more selfish and probably not as he didn't wouldn't have had as much knowledge. I feel like Toland was a little ahead of himself. He wanted to get into this realm, but didn't know what he was going to do when he got there. So it, it always kind of seemed odd that Toland was like leading us, now knowing that he doesn't really seem to have a plan now. Calls for like Osiris for help and stuff like that. But it makes so much more sense that Mara would be leading us to kill Oryx because she planned this from the very beginning. Well, and, and it makes sense that it actually was Mara and not Toland because whenever you come up to Toland, he's wordy. Mm-hmm. He is like you can't get the guy to shut up until he just disappears. So yeah, that's just crazy. So Mara's really playing the long game. She literally just waited for us to kill Oryx Man. all that time that passed. And now she's free once Oryx was dead. My Holy crap, man. Alone. Right? Uh, I just started putting this stuff together. Oh, oh. man. Yeah. Oh, that like I, I didn't read it that way until this discussion and now like looking back at everything it's like oh my god how did i not see it and that's why i want to say like when we were like oh will the queen come back oh they're gonna bring her back she's so popular like bungie there is no way that bungie just like made a cutscene where she sacrificed herself and then wrote this elaborate story like they had to have planned this craziness from the beginning right well all these books that are made it's crazy man well, and especially since the reef wasn't like we were just barely allies, starting with yep. the House of Wolves. Yep, yep. So, like, so, people like, want to know why it takes so long to make an expansion. They're writing all this. We wanted a story in a game, right? So they have to write all this story to now base the game off of. If you want a good story, if you want a good game, you got to wait for them to create it before they can then go ahead and program everything. So, like, I have a big appreciation for how they're, like, setting all this stuff up, and they've been doing it since D1. So, it's pretty awesome. Yeah, I mean, a, a lot of this story has, at the very least, been three years in the making. Four years in the making. Which is also why when people are like, oh, you guys are working on Destiny 2 already when we're still in D1? They had to. We would have had the giant gap between game releases. This explains why people have to work on their future titles. While the old one's still out, and why it's definitely crazy, because you got to split up a team. Yeah, man, yeah. I have an appreciation for Destiny 2. It took a little while to get into everything. We got some great story, and I think they've done a fine job. Oh, absolutely. And what I hear for the story for Destiny 3, if it's true, sounds pretty awesome, too. So I'm excited, man, for the future. I'm, I'm choosing to, to hold off on <laughs> any jar judgments about any of these quote leaks unquote. yeah but the story arcs that i've heard just make so much sense and like go along with some of my theories and stuff of like the pyramid ships and the original darkness that attacked lengi leeway and all that craziness but anyway another topic another time so yeah things got serious man and that is why these injuries were called tyrannicide basically it's suicide by a tyrant um so she killed herself but she didn't. And that's why Mara's badass. All right. We ready to go into our final one? Mrs. Hyven, are you still there? And one I more. didn't play D1 to 
go into all of that insanity, so I had no comment. <laughs> yeah, no, you're fine. I'll, just I'll find to... the cutscene for you. Yeah, we're gonna. You have to watch. You that. better. I just wanted to make sure it's you were feeling alive. No. Our last. I'm one. good and ready. Yeah. Oh, oh, sorry. There was, <laughs> there was one thing. What was it talking about? You know what? I think it was some cards back. Not a big deal. I just loved how one of the cards foreshadowed how she like saw that Aldrin was going to be like um, exploring and dealing with like the fallen and all that kind of crazy stuff. So I think it was cool that she knew from the very beginning that Aldrin was not going to die. But once again, showing her crazy. Oh, you're referring to how he finally found his people. That too, but it, earlier on, it was either it might have been this card, it might have been the card right before this. She saw, or when she had seen that vision, she saw that Aldrin would like be exploring. I forget what it said, but basically, that Aldrin, she kind of saw him scavenging and dealing with like the um, fallen, which is kind of cool. But I won't go back. I think that was a card or so. I had just forgotten about it. All right, I will read Regent. I see, and your wolf ships. All destroyed. For the Calyx sin, and she is badly wounded. Burning for palace now. Galliots, those that remained at the outpost are still in good condition for now. We have some still in reserve at palace. How many? Uh, twelve. And how many shipwrights? I'm afraid I cannot say. I see. Divert Halem to civilian defense. Sin. Kamala and anyone we can spare for a covert SAR run. Avoid hostile engagements at all costs. If they find survivors, notify me immediately. We'll go that. Signing off, Commander. The comms light goes off, and Petra takes a deep breath for calm. She leans forward to flip switches, adjust dials. Her hands are shaking. Commander. She was never supposed to be Commander. All she'd ever wanted was to serve and protect Mara. And now Marasov was... Marasov was... Mara was alive. She was alive somewhere. She'd promised. Retaking the yoke of her own galliot, Petra sees a course for the t sets a course for the Tangled Shore. She, she cycles through comms channels as she flies. The hive are swarming the outpost, and the disciples are demanding escort into, in their evac. Devi is MIA. Guardian jump ship after Guardian jump ship is throwing itself kamikaze at that monstrous hive ship, only to be repelled by some kind of defense field. A hundred seaters are landing on Ceres. Helm is evacuating every civilian he can to the shielded inner cities. Two hundred more seaters on Palace. Skyburner forces inbound, armed to the teeth. Wolf allies defecting. Devi is found. Petra cannot turn off the radio. She cannot stop listening. She can scarcely breathe. She wants to reverse course and fly her ship into the eye of that flagship. She wants to wreck herself against its ugly, scrimshawed hull and scream so clear and true as she dies that the wretched beast will hear her and know what autocracy she has committed. Atrocity, yeah. I'm going to go back. It was a long sentence. She wants to reverse course and fly her ship into the eye of that flagship. She wants to wreck herself against its ugly, scrimshawed hull and scream so clear and true as she dies.
that the wretched beast will hear her and know what atrocity he has committed. She wants to believe Mara is alive, but how, 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 when she cannot feel her, when she does not know every step of the accursed plan? She approaches Thieves' Landing from a reckless angle, then cuts fast and low across the lashed-together wreckage of the shore. The air is thick with dust and debris and shimmering immaterial harbinger matter. It is impossible to see more than a click out. She follows her radar. Unconsciously, she holds her breath. And then, there it is, the watchtower. Petra sighs through clenched teeth. It's whole, unharmed. So we talked in the last card about how Petra was mentioned. Um, and we talked a couple of cards ago how Petra is now the Wrath, the Queen's Wrath. So I'm assuming now she's commander. Uh, I don't know if that's the same. Um, um, so she, she was Queen, Queen's Wrath before this. That was when the Queen was still alive. We knew her in D1 as Queen's Wrath when Mara was still kicking. Petra? Yeah, yes. Petra was Queen's Wrath. Okay. As um, basically, so basically what I'm getting at here, though, is that, that something sometimes happens to we, sure. Yeah. Do we ever get any clarification on that? Yes, in the new books. Okay, A little cool. bit of clarification. But yeah, get so, crazy. It sounds like the nine took her out. Yeah. Oh dang. Um. But yeah, I felt like that should be noted. Yes, and if you didn't notice, the title of this is a regent, um, and that is defined as a person appointed to administer a country because the monarch is a minor, or is absent or incapacitated. So Petra is the regent at this moment because the queen is missing but she's not that place i went to college for a week she's not declared dead yet so petra does not no no queen is assigned she is now the commanding officer or she is the regent which you'll hear referred to as in some of the cards gotcha and and that makes sense because the the whole point of the queen's wrath was to be the queen's bodyguard and if there is no queen to bodyguard And as we know, Petra didn't know the whole plan, but she was promised, at least by Mara, that she would survive. Um, and as we see at the very, very end, we do learn kind of what's going on eventually. Like I said, I think this is in another book. Uh, but she was told to basically protect the Watchtower uh, because it's integral to Mara's own world. Um, that's where the Oracle Engine is. That's where uh, the Blind Well, which basically is what's powering Mara to have survived and live in this ascendant realm and have her own throne world so she tasked she didn't explain everything to petra but she promised she'd she was going to survive and that she'd be back and that she basically sent her back to the dreaming city to protect with the watchtower and petra is pissed because she doesn't want to just do this she just kind of wants to be done and we also see that a lot of people are they're basically rounding up their dead and they're injured after this onslaught from oryx and we see that Guardian jump ship after jump ship is just throwing itself kamikaze style at this ship, trying to destroy it. Which we know doesn't work. We know that Cade gets us in very stealthily, and that's how we make our way onto the ship. But this is like this is this is what's taking place uh, during Taken King. Like, how long ago is yep. that? Like two three years. years ago, two yeah, like two years ago. They are basically explaining the two events and a half of years ago. yeah, what happened to. After Oryx showed up, before we took him out, this is what was going on. So I love that we always have to be, we have to be patient, 
but we always like it's it's with every story they give us little bits and i love when they start to like we we're we're living in a good time of destiny we're seeing a lot of stories like come together well and like yeah, we're seeing that also a... means they're about to set up some more craziness well I'm yeah like, that's true yeah that's true we we've gotten a lot of payout for everything that's been leading up to this um you know stuff that that's been in the works since D1. Sure. You know, I mean, Taken King came out two and a half years ago, and we're getting mm-hmm. the lore books it, now. Yeah, exactly. And it was awesome. We all loved it, but, like, we didn't even oh, have all yeah. the information. So this is yeah, really I was about awesome. to say, I think anything D1 was pre-married for us. Because D2 came out, I think, like, shortly after we got married. You didn't know me in D1. You think I'm bad now? I was worse. I dated you <laughs> then. I didn't, like, know you. Know I didn't have a girlfriend or now a wife. <laughs> I was just still living at home, just chilling in my, like, little bachelor pad, just playing D1 all day, every day. Yeah. Well, that's I mean, kind of me you right still, now. You still <laughs> do that with D2. Oh, yeah. Now I just play in my office. Oh, yeah. Now you just have <laughs> me I gotta and come out occasionally. Puppies, like, that's right. I have to come out occasionally, too. you know. We're enriching your life, dang it. Right. <laughs> so yeah, man, that's a good place to stop. Uh, yeah. We see Mara basically, at the very beginning, she was just ready to prepare her, her house, her people for what was going to happen. And then it explains something that we've actually seen, what has actually happened. And then it goes right into Petra's role into it all, which is basically where we come into Forsaken with the whole Dreaming City stuff. Where uh, we have like Riven, the raid, and all that kind of crazy stuff. The blind well, everything it was all part of it. So it's pretty cool. Which, which is the crazy thing because now this is so look, this is like the conclusion of like Mara's whole story, or kind of, but it's also setting up this crazy truth to power story with Sabathun, Oryx's sister, and her whole murder battery thing, and like all this craziness with the call, like the loop that's going on. So I just love how they were able to kind of tie up a little bit of one story and immediately introduce this craziness. Well, and and so like, like what you're mentioning, you know, the Truth to Power lore book, and it, like, quite literally, Forsaken was the Taken King Part Two, and you know, there's there's dozens of different stories from it, but they're all interwoven and it's just it's one big story but it's we're getting separate little pieces of it and it's it's so glorious i mean it's pretty awesome well i suppose that can conclude yeah yeah, this episode. Sorry, I guess I only half said that sentence. That concludes this episode. Uh, there you go. So we have as an end to Awoken of the Reef Part 2. Of course, this is a long book. As we mentioned on the onset, we're going into four slash maybe five parter. Uh, so stick around next week to see what happens with this craziness. Because we're only halfway through. So with that, let's hit our outro. Um, yeah, and shout-outs. Elements. Oh, shout-outs. Uh, as always, Ishtar Collective. Is or, he sorry, Lucas? Lucas. 
<laughs> uh, I, I don't know if they're still Lucius. I'm going to look it up. Um, but either way. No, they are officially Ishtar Collective again on, on Twitter. Okay. Whereas the lady in front of me at Tractor Supply said, on the Twitter. Wow. She was old and talking about Twitter, and it was precious. <laughs> anyway. Is, is she also on the Facebook? Probably. Because that's where <laughs> she keeps up with the grandkids. As far as she even knew what the Twitter was. <laughs> um. <laughs> Sorry. I had a second shout out, but then like I totally got sidetracked by the Twitter and I'm I'm I got nothing. <laughs> Next I did not unlike Mrs. Hyven, I was not thinking and looking up my shout outs during the episode. I always um, prep my shout outs, dang it. <laughs> shout outs to you know what shout outs to couple groups of people um but to, to preface it i have not been as involved in playing destiny as much as i have in the past just because i would say we're maybe in a little bit of a law as far as like in-game activities um but shout out to the people who keep me in love and continuing on with this game um of course bungie for writing these great cards uh, like, we might not have as much activity to actually play in-game, but it has never been a richer time for the lore. Um, of course, shout-out to my co-hosts, Elmist and Mrs. Hyven, for this podcast that keeps us going. And shout-out to a couple of my clan members who still keep me playing Crucible, because it's the one thing that always keeps me into the game uh, in these slow periods. Still playing quick play, still going comp. That's all I've been playing lately. Um, so shout-out to... Um, my clanmates for doing that. Um, our clan is well. Yes, we can. I can give my clan some props, but clan, uh, the dead and forgotten. So, shout out to all of them, and I appreciate you guys keeping me involved and enjoying the game like always. And um, that kind of just mentions. Uh, so yeah. So as far as those whole rumors about no crucible in Destiny Three, yeah, that uh, that would kill me. So I'm glad that Bungie claims that that's not happening. Uh, so also shout out if you if anyone from Bungie hears this, even us lore nerds I love Crucible. Don't take it away from me. That's it for me. Well, like the ludicrousy of that rumor just yeah. gets me. Like Crucible has been the thing that's been able to keep people around in in content droughts, and there and I know. And they're just yeah. gonna get rid of it. Like uh, no, I know that the Crucible community is not as big as it used to be, but like Bungie original Halo was like the multiplayer was like the staple of the game as much as Master Chief was, you know? So uh it sounds crazy. So I hope that uh shout out to like I said, to Bungie not only for this lore, but for their future. For what's coming up. Um I think we're starting we're gonna start getting things teased for the future after um this DLC. And for D3, so I look forward to that kind of stuff. So, yeah, that's my shout-outs. So, my shout-outs tonight is actually um, in reference to the month of April. It is Autism Awareness Month. And I kind of wanted to shout that out just uh, because I think I personally know several gamers who are on the spectrum that play. And I know that that's something 
that um, a lot of people who enjoy gaming, uh, you know, or not a lot of people who enjoy gaming, but a lot of people who um, have autism, one of the things that they do and one of the places that they can actually kind of communicate and interact with people is through video games, um, ones like Destiny. So um, I just kind of thought that those two things kind of go together a little bit. Um, well, yeah, no, you, you don't have to be the one to say <laughs> it. You might not be on that scale, but as someone who is very introverted and has trouble with the social aspects of life, gaming is my yeah. outlet. Exactly. So that's a perfect so, Yeah. I feel like that's something that we definitely need to make mention of and just a couple of organizations to go look at if you're thinking of making some kind of donation or just want to get more information. Um, a couple that you can look at, look at are the Organization for Autism Research, um, Autism Society of America, National Autistic Society, and Autism Speaks. Um, I know a lot of places in your local area might even be doing, like if you buy something there, donating another dollar. Uh, today I was at TJ Maxx and they're doing that. So um, if you want to just donate in a simple, easy way, get out to those stores and, you know, just add a dollar to your receipt. Um, but, but yeah, definitely something that is uh, kind of big in the gaming community. So I thought it was worth mentioning this month. Well, I have a rescinded shout out. I don't even know how to say this. My shout out is against myself for chastising you during the podcast because that was a great <laughs> thing to have to look up. <laughs> yeah. I just that wanted to totally make sure I shouted out proper organizations um, that that actually, you know, I mean, Autism Speaks, they're probably one of the bigger, more known ones. Um, but if you look at their records, only about 70% of their do donated funds actually go out towards research and such. Um, so they're not necessarily the top one. Um, however, 70% is still quite a bit. Um, but the other ones that I mentioned, um, they're a little bit more transparent and a little bit more of their funds get donated um, direct or get spent directly towards research. Um, but Autism Speaks still does a, a really good job and raises a lot of money for research. Uh, so I just wanted to make sure I looked up some actually decent organizations. Well, yeah, and you actually just reminded me, um, obviously you can do a lot out of game, but as far as in the community, uh, we have a lot of groups who do deal with a lot of this stuff. Um, Saint 14 Project, they do streams and groups and competitions and stuff. Um, for mental health and uh, awareness of mental health, uh, quite often, um, that's another thing which, I mean, you can say it does plague a lot of people who are in some of the gaming community. You know, some of us are a little bit more introverted and do have, you know, all of us, a lot of humans, we all have our own problems. Um, and sometimes us introverts getting together uh, don't always talk about those things. So there's a lot of communities out there. Uh, that's just one that I know of. They do things every once in a while. We have the St. Four Teen Project. Uh, we got Guardian Con coming up. They always try to raise money for uh, St. Jude. Um, so there's a lot of stuff in the Destiny community to support also. So um, just don't forget about your fellow gamers and your fellow people that you're living with. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Ultimately, it boils down to just be kind. Pay it forward. That's right, that's what Ellen says at the end of all of her episodes. Be kind. <laughs> so... I don't even think we need our bum 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 tonight. I think we can leave it with be kind and look out for one of our one another. All right. Well, I think that's a perfect way to end this episode. You guys have a great night whenever you're listening to, and we'll see you guys next week. Goodbye. Take okay. care. Right? Like we haven't even started. Yeah. Well, she was out and about for a while. That's so why we didn't do it at three, and then my friend showed up out of nowhere. So. She's all sleeping you know?
There you go, Kelly. Lay on your pillow. Give me one second. Better calm down. Oh, come on. When aren't we waiting on Mrs. Hyven? <laughs> yeah, you... It's... Busy bee. Busy what? <laughs> I just can't stay home sometimes. I'm just like, I have to get out. And the fateful decision to intervene when the House of War- Wolves turned Earthwood. <clears throat> nope. <clears throat> I can glaze over one. Once it's two, gotta redo it. The Ahmakara and the sub. No, did I get it wrong still? You said Ahmakara. You forgot the Aham. <sighs> Either way, it doesn't really matter. Ahamkara. Mm-hmm. Perfect. Okay, so all the yeah, all the letters are pronounced. There's no like. Yeah. Well, you know what? I think it's stupid. Just kidding. Nobody at me. Sorry. <laughs> okay. The Shatterstone Fury of the Red Wars. Brother Aldrin's journey into Brief that. Wars. <sighs> Sorry. No, I mean, that's important. It is. It's very different. Because <laughs> one took place in the asteroid belt, the other one took place on Earth. And two different wars. Their argument shuddering with recent Aug- augments. I think it's just the curse of the first reader. Actually, no, that's not true. Because it's really only me and Elmas who ever mess up. Hyven almost never does. And I kind of hate him. Yeah. Just another reason why you're the worst. <laughs> it's all right. Mara seized a pane of crystal paper, flashed it, fla- You actually have to choke on your tongue every time you do that? Because mm-hmm. that's how it feels. Like, Don't hate. These are the sound effects Alamus uses when he has to cover up an F-bomb. <laughs> right. Oh. I've got a whole folder of them so far. The terrifying folder. <laughs> oh my god. Like okay, your laugh sorry, that sorry. could give children nightmares. Wow. Wow. What you just did right there? Go back and listen to that later. Yeah. Yeah, I know. It was like I a have really... a witch's cackle. I know. Uh, All right, sorry. Gosh, let me focus. Back to the flaccid yet rigid at the same time. Don't say things like that because now I'm going to say it. Death raised up that blade and said, I cut all and all I cut, I ate. Ayat. Ayat. <laughs> I was like, nope. I had this whole paragraph and then I don't even believe that's a word. <clears throat> what is it? Ayat? Like, I ought to go down to the store? Sure. Right. <laughs> I'm actually pretty sure that it was made up specifically to c- talk about the hive. Okay, it's... so then I really don't feel bad. No, yeah, but it's actually it's a uh, it's a destiny word. So yeah, yeah, that's why I've got to get it correct. But I'm saying I don't feel bad. Like I should have known this prior to from like English oh, class. No. I was waiting like, to like. I don't feel like you. an uncultured swine because I don't know it. You know, I, we I figured you might not know Just that an one. Uncultured destiny swine. <laughs> Sure. You said it, we didn't. 
Yeah. <laughs> right, the cheers in the background. I understood that the sword was the desire to escape existence as a shape in the game and to become the rule that it made, the rule that made the shapes. Let me do that again. <clears throat> I hate when Mara talks. I understood that the sword was the desire to escape existence as a shape in the game and to... I figured it out. I didn't zoom in. I'm having a hard time reading because I can't see it. <laughs> that would make a difference. All right. I that mean, I'm still going to screw up, but 25% extra zoom does put a little less stress on the eyeballs. Okay. I I dreamt that the sword that was death and rule sought out complexity. 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 My tongue just got like tripped up on that one. <clears throat> and you just keep adding to that folder of mine. Gotcha. I used to do this when I would read like kid books. Like Half when the I episode like... is going to be you trying to read the first card. I know. <laughs> I used to do that when I would like babysit and read kid books. I'd mess up and I'd like do like a noise and then start again. They were never amused, but I was like, this is just how I read, so get over it. Oh, no worries. Did we talk about that? Or or is that going to happen later? About the bank, the uh, vault heist? I think that's in this book. Never mind. I'll shut Stop up. Stop talking. That's why I'm stopping, because I couldn't remember if <laughs> I'm just losing my mind. I think that's later on. Uh... Okay, anyways, let's move on before Hayden turns into freaking Tom Holland all over the place. What? I love you for Spider that Man. reference. He ruins every spoiler to the Marvel Universe ever. Which is oh, why they... Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. They didn't even they give him don't. the full endgame script. They only gave him his lines. Yeah. That's funny. That is hilarious. They don't let him do interviews alone anymore. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Quite literally. It's like, okay, stand here, say this, look this way. And then it's hysterical to me because he's also like the youngest. So it's just like, oh, the child keeps messing up. Yeah. <laughs> Fine, I won't give out a spoiler. I, I just wasn't sure if it was in this book or not. But either way, we'll, maybe we'll get there. If not, I probably won't remember this conversation anyway. So. <laughs> I'm ready to move on. <laughs> Great way to jump into the next card, everybody. Right. Last of all, leaving Mara imp imperious? Yeah. Last of all, leaving Mara imper. God. <laughs> this was the shape of her... See, you're, you got tripped on some of the larger words. I'm getting tripped up on, like, there. Because our eyes, or our brain reads faster than our eyes. I want to tell you the truth, Mara said. Man, you read it right and you still messed up. Right? Can we talk? Uh, so, talk and talk. Talk and walk. Would you agree with that? Wow. I don't know how to take that, but maybe yes. I I, I wasn't sure if that was a, yeah, I wasn't an sure answer. if that was a hiccup or a yup. I think um, 
I have no opinion on this. That was a hiccup. <laughs> Do you want me to? I just have to say a thousand foot tether, thousand kilometer tether. That's insane. Didn't ancient Ayana, queen of the heaven, descend into the underworld to confront her shadow twin sister? Yeah, that one's not happening. Erish Kigal. Erish Kigal. Erish Kigal. Erish Kigal. <clears throat> Secrets are her virtue, and the virtue of her nemesis. The being who ex- <sighs> Secrets are her virtue. <sighs> wow, not even a couple words into it. <laughs> no, I can't get virtue out. I'm telling you, if you just stop choking on your tongue, it'll be a lot easier to read. That's better than choking on something else. It's because I try really hard to enunciate when I'm reading these. And so that's what I get tripped up on is by enunciating and trying not to mumble through words. True, but you don't mumble when you speak. You just got to read as if you're just reading a book out loud. All those times I read a book out loud. Don't you have to work and read at your job? You know, I like speed read then. You don't want me to read like I read at work. No, I mean when you're talking to like a client or something. Anyway, sorry, this is completely unrelevant. And you know no, that Ellen leaves everything on the podcast. So. All right, we'll just give it another try. <laughs>